timing for getting back in touch was was good because they're doing that simpsons marathon thing right now ah yes and uh i have not watched a single episode but however uh while quoting the simpsons it's you and brad whitley are the two kind of touch points Mm. uh so why is that just yeah this is uh meaningless but uh oh god that was the first thing i'd written in quite some time just writing those quotes out to you uh, the mental, the uh, the inner dialogue that led up to that, where it was like, just write something, just, oh, yeah. just write something. Yes, I I'm well familiar with that dialogue. Well, yeah, well yeah. familiar. I, I, <laughs> well, you, you've got shit to uh, to show for it, though. Yeah, but I mean, but that shit the show came from um, years upon years of doing the mantra of just fucking write something. God, why aren't you doing that? Oh, fuck it. Why did you spend that weekend not writing, you son of a... And repeat, yeah, repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat, and then eventually um, a book happened. Nice. Oh, yeah, I should probably do an intro or whatever. Hey, hi, guys, it's Alex. I'm going to, at some point, start this file. So now you know that it's Alex, and this is the Alex Cast, because that's a thing that you all should know at this point, because you're listening to it. Go to alexcast.com if you want to find stuff. It's like the book I'm... Dario was referencing. That's that's on there. Just find things. It's good. And that person that I just referred to as Dario, wild guess what his name is. It's, Hello. Yeah, it's Dario. So good guess. Hi, Dario. I am Vince Glortho, Keymaster of Gozer. Oh, that's nice. It's a it's a classic. All right. <laughs> I'm um I'm blanking on what the response line is. Is the problem? Do you want coffee? Yes, have some. Something oh, yeah. Like those lines. Yeah. Well, that is my that is my favorite quote from that film. Uh, would you like some coffee? Yes, have some. Indeed. Audience oh, um. at home, we're talking about um, <laughs> the classic uh, Ghostbusters, directed by that dead guy, um, starring those other dead guys. Have you? Uh, I know Alex um, Alex Jones is very popular these days, but um, as with most things, I was familiar with him uh, before he broke into the mainstream. Have uh, Have you been listening to him and his ilk lately? No, I haven't heard Alex Jones in quite a bit. What's he What's he prattling on about now? Uh, well, nothing in particular, but that's the key. Jones got a lot of um, mainstream attention for the uh, false flag operation. Uh, that talking point. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was it brought a lot of mainstream attention to these sort of podcasts. And now I've noticed a pattern with them. It's that everything is true. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the shape-shifting lizard people, the Illuminati, and the elders of, Z- of Zion. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is quite true. They actually have a the response, and this is where conspiracy theory is fun for me. And I've, I, well, you knew me back in probably the height of my conspiracy theory days. I've mm-hmm. now kind of pressed through the other side to find them all equally amusing. But there is yeah. now the response conspiracy theory is that Alex Jones is a disinformation agent that works for the CIA. Yeah. Which which makes me really happy because you know you and I, I I think we probably knew of him back yeah, maybe it doesn't go back that long but I remember when he was just like some weirdo guy you know he didn't have national you know pre nine eleven if I'm if I'm remembering right and um, yeah 
he, he was just a loud Texas guy. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is funny. Like, he's just a nutter. And now he's important enough that people think he's a disinformation agent. That's fun. That's a, that's a fucking, that's a cycle right there. Well, I love uh, I love two things. One that uh, they they have managed to lump all the conspiracy theorists, our culture. I mean, when I say they, so uh, sort of en masse. It's not really directed. It just sort of happened. Although there are some parties sort of pushing it in that direction, but lumping all the uh, conspiracy theorists together, so you have voices of of dissent that are that are more well informed than others, and they get lumped in with the Alex Joneses and the Albert Bells. That's another one. Um, so that I, I find amusing. Um, the other thing, it's you know, it's been mo- it's monetized. Yeah. It's well, like- well, Alex Jones apparently is is a millionaire at this point. I was hearing some reference point that yeah, he's apparently yeah. raking in cash off of that fucking show. Well, once uh, once false flag became part of the public lexicon, that's when he really I noticed he really ramped things up. I wasn't a regular follower of his. Uh, but I was familiar enough. Uh, several years ago, I did some intense uh, research into whether or not one could actually become a werewolf. You did? I did. Oh, what? That's some weird research. <laughs> did, <laughs> did Did you just come out that like it was just a bunch of peasants that ate argot? As a matter of fact, yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, you you got that. You got King Lycan. You got uh, people snapping because the Dark Ages were in fact dark, and they ended up like animals, and that ended up uh, classified as lycanthropy. And and there you go. And then and then once you find out that um, the Silver Bullet was uh, was written in uh, 1931 or so by Kurt Siodmak for the the Wolfman screenplay, you know that was the Lone Ranger's trademark weapon. Yeah, the, the silver bullet. That's why he threw that in there. It just sounded dramatic. Oh, for real? That's where that comes from. That's where that comes from. Oh no shit! I yeah. didn't know that. The, the Wolfman film. Huh. It's a Kurt Siodmak. Yeah. Oh no shit! Yeah, it sounds. It is dramatic. I just kind of assumed that was some kind of old worldy thing. It sounds like it. Uh, it's just like Vampires in Sunlight. Uh, F. W. Murnau uh, created the uh, the sunlight killing vampires uh, because it was a dramatic visual way to kill them. Oh really? Yes. Is that the Nosferatu guy? That's Nosferatu, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no shit. I mean, I knew there were night creatures, but yeah, you're right. Actually, because in the original Dracula, can he go out in the day? He can. It's just he's not as powerful. Yeah. You watched, uh, that kick, the, the Gary Oldman version, which I happen to think is kick-ass, but a lot of people have issues with it, but whatever, they're Philistines. Um, that one, that that's specifically cited. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, his voiceover in that as uh, Van Helsing, he, uh, he mentioned some things, and he, he says, uh, contrary to popular belief, the vampire can move about in daylight with uh, reduced powers. Oh, yeah. That's what Keanu Reeves, right? Indeed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Classic. I'm not that. I'm not as harsh on Keanu as everybody else is, it seems. That's, that's the film that gets me, though, because that's the one, I mean, I was young when I first saw it. So, you know, I, I, I was like early teens. So you're, you're still, um, you're, you're making connections and, and you're making intellectual connections for the first time really in your life. And he was the first bad actor I saw in a big film like that, you know, that I, I recognized bad. Uh, as I saw it for the first time, that that scene where he sees uh, where he sees Gary Oldman and he's young and 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 he puts on that accent. The whole film he's putting on that accent. It's worse than the one in Devil's uh, Advocate, where he's like, oh, yeah. "It is the man himself, and he has grown young." Yeah, it's, it, it's rough. 
I think I'm too forgiving of handsome people is kind of my, what I'm kind of coming to in my old age is that. Well, we all are though. Yeah. I, um, I've, I've become far too, uh, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. Oh, no worries. I, I guess I'm trying to uh, make myself out to be not as critical as I used to be because I went right into criticism, but <laughs> I've calmed down a, a bunch as well. I, I take it you have, you were about to say? Um, I th- Not so much calm down. I think, uh, I think it's just, I've come to realize the stuff that, I, that it, like, I never really hated Keanu that much. And over the years, it's just kind of, it, I was trying to, you know, diagnose my behavior with this. And I realized sure, sure. that it's just always oh, handsome. And then, so I kind of went through my head of like other actors that I've forgiven for, or at least not been as annoyed with shitty performances. And I realized right, like, oh, right. I'm just falling for it. Like, yes, you have a very nice jawline and your clothing is nice. And I somehow have been mystified by you. And the next thing I know, I actually like Meet Joe Black. With me, it's uh, along the same lines. Yeah, Brad Pitt is a, is a he tries. He's a, he's a he's a good actor in some very in some films actually. But uh, I I'm along those same line same lines. Uh, fucking um, goddamn, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, with me, I found that it was um it was misdirected energy because you know if, if I were working steadily in, in any capacity in that in that field, if I were writing even in any kind of capacity. I'd be just, I wouldn't give a shit about what other people were doing. I'd, I'd be more focused on my own thing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. For um, me, it's just, I think it's just latent homosexuality is coming <laughs> out with, 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 especially with uh, Keanu. It, it, he's really good looking. It's just a problem. It's like, I, I was thinking the other day about oh, this. Uh, that's that's the, why he's uh, rumored to have that career early on. It was his, uh, he was David Geffen's houseboy. Oh, is that true? I mean, is that a true rumor? Not that's a true, true rumor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh. That's why he got those those big roles very early on. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you were gonna say? Oh no, it just I realized. Uh, I was I was watching. I don't remember which one. I was watching one of the new Marvel movies. I think it was. I think it was Thor two. And I was just kind of transfixed, and I realized like this movie really blows. But like, <laughs> but that guy's fucking handsome, and it and I was just kind of like hypnotized by his handsome. And it took me a while to get used to it. I'm like, oh, wait a second. This is, you're tricking me. You're just, oh, Loki, look at you being all handsome. Hey, stop it. You did it again. <laughs> That's what they're doing, man. That's uh, because we've moved in cinema. We've, you and I have been alive to see this. We saw the peak uh, period where there was art and commerce going at it. I mean, you might say what art was going at it full force. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, it was about, it was as, as, as artful as the mainstream was going to get. You know, um, and it's moved from entertainment into distraction, into straight up distraction. Um, a lot of those films, they're not even made for, for critical thinkers anymore. Um, they're made, you know, I'm not even sure how to word this. They're made for the poor and downtrodden, be it over here or especially overseas, where they have, um, you know, they have even less frame of reference, you know? Yeah, if I think you're in East, if you're in Eastern Europe, you're not going to be uh, too you're not going to be as critical as those spoiled suburban American kids are with the comic book movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's I think that might actually be the difference too. It, or the, that is the difference is the foreign market cuz it seems to yeah, me that movies now are made to be, you know, languageless. I mean, that's why uh, Transformers Attack of TJ Miller made, you know, a billion five or whatever the fuck it made. And it's just it's 
people that don't want to speak the language, not don't want to speak the language, I mean, you know, people that don't feel like having dialogue or plot, it's just... It's about translation, because yeah. the, more, uh, the, the more nuanced and the more, the more, the deeper the dialogue, the, the less, uh, the more difficult it will be to translate, or the less capable it will be to translate. Uh, that's why, for example, I don't know if you saw Star Trek Into Darkness. That was the one with Cumberbatch? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Did you notice the jokes in it? Uh, the like the I you mean like when they're referencing the old show? That's the no no, no not not the ones that were memorable in the grading sort of way. <laughs> I mean like um when they're flying the Millennium Falcon through the uh the Klingon homeworld and they squeeze through the uh the girders and they and they're like it'll fit it'll it won't fit it'll fit I I said it'll fit I don't believe that counted and, and things like that oh, like yeah. jokes that really belong in like early '90s TGIF sitcoms. Those are jokes that translate. Yeah, Ugh, that just made me feel sick. <laughs> I guess, I, guess I, I like. I mean, I guess like now that you say it, I guess now I do recognize that those were attempts at humor, and I right. just like ugh. Sulu takes the the um, Sulu takes uh, the chair, the command, and um, uh, McCoy is like, uh, "Remind me not to piss you off." Oh like, yeah, yeah. That translates into every language. Yeah. And, right? better in other ones frankly yeah that's that's upsetting that was uh, it reminds me going the other direction is people going nuts about snowpiercer or i it, it, haven't seen that is that is that the the nazi zombie movie no no that's um dead snow or something like that snowpiercer okay, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah snowpiercer is like a korean i think it's korean uh, whatever i some Look other yes. some other country in um and it's basically it's just video game the movie it's really shitty but for some reason it got all this critical acclaim and it was supposed to be this great kind of arty piece like oh it's art uh action film and no it's just it's literally hey you start on the easy level and move your way up to the tough level it's Mm. pretty goddamn shitty but for some reason it got all this this buzz and i realized it's because oh no it's just opposite transformers what they did was you know a foreign film company grabbed a couple of you know american people that act in the film then ported it back towards us so they got both markets but the opposite direction yeah, I'm I'm looking at this now. That seems to be exactly what's happened. Uh, quote: Snow Snowpiercer offers an audaciously ambitious action spectacular for filmgoers numb to effects-driven blockbusters. Yeah, it seems like the Contrarians film. It's got the South Korean pedigree. It's from the director of The Host. Yeah, and it's not terrible, but it's not good. It's just it got all this. Buzz. It, all it was, it was uh, like the the raid redemption or the the first one, whatever that was called. Um, office building move upwards, it makes it go harder. It's just right. this is right. office building on its side, move sideways, make it go harder. Like it's it's, it's like uh, District Thirteen. Oh, I didn't see that one actually. Okay, uh, that it's like that, but with um, and I forgot what it's called. That style of rooftop running and jumping. That was oh yeah yeah, whatever that's called. Yeah, it's uh, parkour. Parkour. Thank yeah, you. Uh, I completely forgot about that word, and it was everywhere for a while there. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like that. Uh, the host um, sound was just like that, where it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. But I think uh, a lot of the acclaim has to do with the fact that it comes from a place that has very little film output, you know? And so something that can hang with, like, something that can hang with our mid-card is a main eventer over there, and it's worthy of... Uh, of notice, I guess. Yeah. No, it's a good point, actually. That's, uh, yeah, I th- that was at, uh, that redemption, but the raid too, as well. Whereas, like, yeah, this was fun. Like, right. perfectly good, but it wasn't, like, honestly, Dread was just as good as it in my head. It was just like, yeah, it was just a dumb action movie. I don't, 
I mean, I guess I, we're just so starved for anything at this point that we're just kind of tricking ourselves into thinking that kind of that same pop padlum, it just if it's in another language, it must be art. Right. Dread, I wish Dread were the uh, pilot to a show. Mm. I wish yeah. I wish that were the starting point. Uh, because that would have been that that's a fine place to start and then they would have gotten into the uh, the more uh, the darker satirical aspects you know yeah i would have enjoyed that um i actually liked the movie for what it was and i was like yeah I would, it was more i liked it they're like oh cool i hope they make a sequel because it's going to be like pretty fucking yes. good you know yeah, exactly it was great foundation it, it righted uh many wrongs that uh stallone's dread did um Stallone's Dread was pretty much a perfect film, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> there's, there's rarely. I mean, maybe you can come up with. Them. I think, I think Malik may have had a better one, but I can't think of a better using having to push spaghetti aside to get to the computer so you can hack it. Scene. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything more poignant because uh, he he did it the best. Because when Rob Schneider pushed the pasta to the side to hack the robot in the hall, it was it was like watching death play chess. I, I felt. My favorite scene. Stallone and Rob Schneider are being held captive by the Angel family, which in the comics is a parody of the uh, the, the real right-wing fundamentalists. They're crazy backwoods hick people out in the desert. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, in the Stallone uh, dread film, this is handled completely over-the-top cartoon. <laughs> now, the, um, the family has... Um, a big cyborg named Mean Machine, and he's a marquee character. He actually had a face turn in the comics. He's got some pulp, uh, some cult popularity. Mean Machine, and remember, this is the world of Judge Dredd. It's it's serious, and then there's that absurd underle- undertow. You know what I mean? It's dystopia. Yeah. So Mean Machine has a dial on his forehead. You remember that? Yeah, I think so. And um, what happens is Stallone is being held captive and Paw Angel is, uh, g- he turns the dial up. Oh, so yeah, I do Mean remember Machine's this. All, mean Machine is all ready to go. He's ready to kill him. And then Stallone dispatches him with ease. And I'm like, you know, you spent thousands of dollars to fucking, and, and the camera cut to close-ups showing the goddamn dial working you spend thousands of dollars to establish that the fucking dial on his fucking brain works. And then you dispatch yeah. it five seconds later. And it's just, you know, it's that was one of those moments where I realized. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm really I was trying to word a suicide joke and the wording just wasn't getting it just wasn't coming to me. It was a stillborn. Let's move on. Yeah, it happens. You know what dreams may, <laughs> what dreams may come. Um, you, you need a soundboard. We needed the car crash sound effect right there, man. Oh, I just made an inappropriately timed Robin Williams joke. That so works for me. Um, I um, that scene you're describing it just it it reminds me of why people suck at making movies. Is that could have been hilarious. Like they could have right. done that because it just it reminds me of of uh, Indiana Jones uh, or whatever the first one was called, where the the right. scimitar wielding guy is going nuts and Harrison Ford just pulls the gun out and shoots him. This right. big build up to this, like, oh, this is going to be epic. Oh, oh, really? That's oh, okay. I guess we'll I guess we'll go now. You know, or uh, Wash. Uh, spoiler alert: Wash and Serenity. How he how right. he ends up leaving. Um, right. Like this really great build up and this 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 end point out of nowhere that's like, oh, wait, what the fuck just happened? Would have been brilliant, but they didn't do that. They had Rob Schneider use pasta. Well, what happened with that, the reason Judge Dredd is shit, and, and, you know, I saw it, because I saw I had a a Demolition Man Judge Dredd uh, doubleheader recently, which is why it's fresh in my mind. Oof. (laughs) 
Oh, actually, Demolition Man. I take that. I take that oof back. I tell you the truth. I kind of like Demolition Man. They uh, they have similar strengths, but also similar weaknesses. Demolition Man is the better one because it inadvertently predicted the future in a lot of ways. It's got Siri and Skype going, all all sorts of shit. Is that the one that predicted uh, Schwarzenegger becoming a politician? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing with both of them, and, and uh, it taps into like what you were talking about with uh, you know ruining scenes. But both of those films were ruined by Stallone's ego. Um, in Demolition Man, they had it perfectly set up where uh, you know uh, Simon Phoenix, the the fiendish Simon Phoenix, as uh-huh, he yeah. referred to, uh, he brought he had his army. So Stallone went down to the sewers, brought and he brings up Dennis Leary and his army. Boom! There's your there's your climax, right? No. It's got to be Stallone and Snipes. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That is kind of an awkward. And and uh, I'll tell you something else, too. If you watch Snipes' movement in that film, he uh, he had to slow down on his uh, his uh, karate movement because he was too fast for the camera. And when you combine that with the fact that uh, Stallone had to stand up on boxes when they were sharing scenes... Because fucking Stallone is my height, uh, and Snipes is a man's height. No, there's there's a number of things going on here. One, the audience doesn't know how tall you are. Two, I don't remember how tall you are. And I thought you'd figure it out from context. Short. Nah, five no, seven. No, I figured out short. Oh, five seven. That's like average. That's averagely short. I knew I was taller than you. I just couldn't remember what that was. So Stallone's like five seven, and oh, so Wesley Snipes is what, like six something? He's like six one, something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh yeah. So that's like a pretty goddamn noticeable difference on screen. In fact, that's why you'll note the way they were shot. It was very tight. <laughs> you'll note yeah. as if you've got the film handy. But yeah, if you catch it again, note that uh, Snipes is on like one quarter impulse power. Yeah. <laughs> I will. So- I will catch it again though. It's one of my favorite shitty movies. Like it's it's out there with with um, Fifth Element of. I just I just find myself transfixed by it and well Fifth Element after the Egypt part in the beginning once once Bruce Willis shows up well, I just know, I just want to stare at it it's so terrible I, I'm just, I'm in love it's terrible that one's terrible too but it's got such visuals to it that I can forgive it yeah I, I showed that to um, I, I I recommended that to someone recently and he's uh, he's twenty he's twenty one rather just turned twenty one. And, um, you know, I said it to him. I said, the story's shit, but it doesn't matter. Just watch. And, yeah, he was just, he was blown away. Yeah. Uh, and that film came out in 95, 96. Jesus. Yeah, I heard, I heard rumors or inklings of it, there being a remake of it in the pipe. Nah, see, you got to remember that that's, uh, that's a Luc Besson joint. And he's 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 still hardcore with the uh, with the art and stuff. Like, like uh, the new film he made is uh, based off of that 10% myth. That we all heard growing oh, up. Oh, the one with uh, the one with the incredibly hot chick from Lost in Translation, right? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, she. Um, it's the myth that human beings only use ten percent of their brain, so she uses a hundred. Uh, when it was pointed out to him that this is, you know, scientifically inaccurate, he said, "I don't care. I make movies." Not a direct yeah. quote. Well, I mean, he brings up a good point. I would, I would wager more people think that ten percent thing is true than know it to be false. So you can just kind of go with it, you know. I think, well, see, but then you get into that film, then you have a film that perpetrates uh, scientific inaccuracy, you know? Yeah, but that's like, all right, so any, like I would, like I, the other side of that, any film where you flick a cigarette into um, gasoline right. on the ground, the gasoline doesn't ignite. Like, do doesn't, it, I'm not <laughs> saying it has to be 100%. Yeah, yeah. 
but when you've got a central conceit yeah that's true that that's so like all right but but then ah okay i guess what it depends on then is the execution because a great example of this um you know our beloved star trek um they're not gonna the ship isn't gonna be um it's not gonna be shaped like that you know what i mean yeah uh due to the uh you know the way ah not to get into all that horse shit. But the point is, you know, we'll make allowances for Star Trek because, you know, when Star Trek is good, that one quarter of the time, it's very good. And then the other three quarters of the time, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's weird because I do, I don't have a problem with Star Trek making no, or any space stuff making no sense because it's like, yeah, it's just, it's for service of the film. But yeah, that 10% thing does kind of bother me a little. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, yeah, like Batman's another one where um, uh, facial recognition technology has uh, has rendered Batman, has wrecked Batman's whole gig. But, oh, I mean, multiple technologies. I mean, just satellites, drones, uh, infinite number. Right. The but, conceit for, for Batman died quite a while ago, but if the movie made well, you can deal with it. Right, exactly, exactly. Which, may I say... Those weren't, I know, I think it's actually starting to become a popular opinion, but I've said it with every movie that came out. The first one, I thought, mm, that was pretty good. It was better than uh, the other Batman films, but that's just because those sucked. Um, right. The second one, I said Heath Ledger, really fucking good. The rest of the movie, kind of unwatchable. And the third yeah. one, the main villain died from a fucking cat chick on a scooter. Like, it's it's not a good movie. I think I, I would disagree with you. They're not great films. I would say they're good films. They're definitely uneven. And I'm going to get to that in a second. but Because uh, all three of them share a common problem at the end. But the unevenness, you know, uh, throughout all three, it's the actors in the particular scene that tends to carry it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but with all three films, you know, one thing I... I um, all three films, the third act is the result. It's very clear it's executive meddling. The, all three films get dumbed down 20 IQ points in the third act. Mm, yeah. Because they're big Hollywood movies. In particular, um, Dark Knight Rises, you know, motherfucker, we're just going to leave it at, oh, and the, they were in the, um, they were trapped in the sewer or whatever for a week. Oh, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah. And, you know, they do this, and the, the, um, the rationale is it's a comic book movie. It doesn't matter. And it's like the whole reason you're making it into a movie is to, you know, answer those questions. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the conceit of those films is that these are supposed to be the, if comic books were real life, it's supposed to be, this right. is the gritty, this is what would happen if comic books characters were in the real world. Right. But that, the first movie, okay, yeah, it could happen in the real world. I mean, with some, you know, just not so much suspension of disbelief, sort of could happen. Right. It's X-Files reality. Yeah. Second movie, like, it's, the whole Two-Face thing, take that away, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's handled very poorly. But by that third movie, it was just, it just, none of the, none of it really made a lot of sense. It, it's, it's he breaks his back, but he doesn't. He, it, it's just, it, the whole, it's, the whole thing is just like somehow a, a, Four foot one tiny little girl can bridge this gap with a jump, but a man in peak physical condition at six whatever has to like get his, his gumption up and he has to kumite or whatever the fuck the phrase they were chanting at him. It's right. he, like if you look at the physics of that, he would just have to lean forward slightly and just grab that next handhold. He's twice that little girl's height for the first scene, you know? Right. Sorry to sorry to fucking break it just it bothers me because my friends would be like, Yeah, we finally got a movie, and it's like, well it's I mean 
Heath Ledger was good, and I liked the choice for Bane. I, th- I thought him being so, like, I loved his voice choice, like him being kind of like an aristocratic kind of, I was right. like, oh, that's awkward and weird, and it's like, it doesn't sit right, so it makes me happy. Like, that's what a villain should be. That's why Ledger was great. I got uh, two things I wanted to, uh, I-, I gotta say before I forget them. Um, one, which taps into your point, they're not, these, these movies are made for us. Like, they took the comic books and then made them pa- palatable to the masses. Whether or not we can enjoy them is, like, beside the point. You know what I mean? They're not for us. Yeah, it's true. You know? And then, oh, shit, the other point. My brain is overstimulated, so I'm, I'm lit up like a Christmas tree here. Man, no worries. Uh, you know, you only use 10% oh, of it. Bane. Yeah, that, that's right. Bane. Um, you notice how... Ah, this gets into uh, the horseshit race baiting that is um, customary with our media. But, you know, nobody knows that Bane is Latino. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's... Lat- is he Latino in the movie? No. Yeah, that's... Well, I don't, you don't really see him before the um oh yeah i guess you see him as a little kid he could be like some kind of uh middle eastern-y kid right no i mean like the in the comics he's like oh yeah no i know yeah i just meant in the movie it's theoretically it could have been a the the phrase i loathe a person of color a person of color yeah Yeah. um no it's just i i find it amusing because you know they go they're they're definitely you know they're ready to point out whenever it's black and i'm not i'm there's a major issue with the inequality in colors. I just find it annoying that they're not that because the uh, the public is misinformed about the characters, they don't they don't know about the other non-white characters that get brought in and made white or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Rachel Ghoul. And that's another one. That's Who, another. One. I mean, I think Thank- he's supposed to be some kind of you know Middle Easterner in the comics, right? Right, right. Uh, and uh, thank you for pronouncing that correctly. I, I go. I, I, I go by Kevin motherfucking Conroy and um, what's his name? Bruce, uh, David Warner. What what what's his what's his name that um, that did the show? Um, Tim. Bruce Tim. Bruce yes. Tim. He was on Kevin Smith's Batman podcast, and he said that it's pronounced Rache. So it it absolutely is. Uh, yeah, on the on the Arrow TV show, which he's being introduced on, uh, they do not pronounce it that way. I don't think. Nah, I've not nah. seen it, but somebody, well, I mean, I've seen the show. I've not seen the episodes where they reference him, but apparently he's the big bad next season, and they do not say it Rache. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's it's amazing how many times this comes up on the show is the pronunciation of that name. If oddly enough, no. Well, the um, this uh, other comic book uh, nerdy podcast I've been on, and he was on my show called uh, Beyond Comics Radio, and um, he's a huge the his he's same age group as us. So his Batman, at least in my for me, his Batman, my Batman is the animated series. That's the one that right. carved it out for me. I mean, I got well, introduced through Adam West, but Batman. It is really sad how much of the DC universe is dependent upon that Batman animated series, and to yeah. a lesser extent, JLU that followed. Keep going. Sorry, bitterness. Mm. <laughs> no, no, it's just. Uh, so it's just it's like this weird like this kind of weird sticking point of importance for people of our generation that grew up on the anime of the series where it's it's really like this nothing thing like the pronunciation of this one character's name but for us he's like right. the most fucking badass guy around. Well, you know that that show should be um, revered as it is because it, it ugh, I, I can't stress enough DC Comics is uh, complete incompetence over the past ten years ever since Dan Didio got put in charge. Um, I mean, if it weren't for that cartoon and the enig- and the uh, the inertia rather from it, yeah, uh, because I, I, it was definitive. It defined a lot of those characters. None of the other characters in the DC universe have been able to stick with their characterizations because of uh, DC's pattern of uh, of uh, a cannibalistic 
nonsense that they call publishing. Yeah, yeah, and various reboots of characters and revamps. And the one thing I got to give them though, they really up their animated series game. The um the DCU movies that have been coming out the past you know few years, pretty they fucking are good. Much, yeah, much much better. In fact, the best Superman film that's ever been made and ever will be made, probably uh, at least uh, Modern Man. Um, that one came out from that series. That was Superman versus the Elite. Oh yes, I like that one. Yeah, that, was, that one. That one was very good. And they did. You know, it was my dream come true because it was. Uh, it was a story from the comics. The writer took that. The same writer took that story and then improved it for the movie. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I really dug on that one. Actually, most of them I've been really. Uh, I've been really fucking into the Flashpoint Paradox. I really liked. I just watched. Um, um, the one where Batman gets his son. I don't remember what they called it. It's the most recent one. Batman and son. Oh, is or that son of Batman rather? Yeah. Something I, you know, honestly, I just, I, I realized I hadn't watched one in a while. So I typed into uh, Google, you know, DCU movies, found a timeline went, Ooh, that one's out. And then immediately went to BitTorrent and went, I will watch this. So I don't know if I ever really learned the name in the, you know, the two hours it was in my, uh, my awareness before I watched it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I do like the, I definitely prefer the style, the, um, the animation style is so much better. Um, some of the uh, some of the more recent ones they've done, um, Justice League War, for example, was was idiotic. But it's like what we were saying earlier. It's it's for a different audience, you know. Yeah, you know, I didn't I, I didn't like War. I I I didn't hate it. I should say it's it was just like yeah, that was something to look at. Like it wasn't. Right. It was right. a good like it was a good like throwaway one off episode. And you know if this was a TV series, it was just okay. Yeah, that happened. It was fun. You know, people punch stuff. You know, Wonder Woman was kind of adorable. Like all right, let's just, let's just get on with the next one. Though the um the rebooted so I I hadn't read comics in a bit I mean just here and there just kind of getting compilations, and I'd heard about the new Fifty Two and I was like all right you know I'll give it a go because I haven't read it in a while it'd be a nice restart because I hadn't been I haven't been up to date on comics in forever. That so was the, key. That was the point of it. Yeah, so uh, I got it. You know I don't know twenty weeks in or whatever I found some torrent. It was like the first X number of weeks and downloaded everything and then realized there's a bunch of titles I don't give half a shit about and. I end up. I really dug the Batman titles, or at least like the main Batman book. I don't even remember. I, right. I don't even know what the main one's called. Is it just called Batman, or is it Batman, the? Dark? Yeah. Okay, because there's another one too called like Dark Knight or something, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of secondary titles, but the one yeah. you read is Batman. Yeah, the one with the the Owl League of Owls or whatever. Court of Owls. Yeah. Yes. Love the fuck out of that. That felt like such definitive. Just that's yeah. the Batman I like. That's I Scott Snyder. Really, really dug the shit out of that. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. So I'm going to read these other books. And I'm reading, I read like Superman. And I'm like, this is kind of shitty. Um, yeah, Superman yeah. and Batman was actually kind of readable, but I, it's just mostly because Batman was kind of done well. But everything's terrible. So I'm just going through trying to find something. And I found Justice League Dark, which I right. love the fuck out of. I think it's so much fun. Of course. Just over the top, John Constantine being a prick. And then somehow in like... Constantine. Yeah. Yeah, but whatever. It's teen in America. I know, I, I know, because the Warner Brothers would put out a movie that mispronounces its own title character's name. Yeah, well, no, and and a TV show, and and my history classes, which that's the name of the Roman Empire and Emperor. And like, if you if I, the Roman Emperor, if you take classes in America, it's 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 uh it's um. Now I'm saying, fuck, I thought about I, it too much. No, I got it. Yeah, I got it. I'm, uh, I'm referring to uh, specific panels from the comic. In which yes. Oh no no I I no I I am well familiar but it's one of these things where it's just I can't just break it because I know history before I know that book and now the movie and the TV show comes out and the TV show pronounces it the way that my history professor did so like although technically I'm I had a I had um 
have you uh, did you happen to read Witch Doctor recent comic book that came out? No. The guy uh, Brandon Seifert. Yeah, I had him on the show. He, he write, uh, he's writing for Disney Seekers of the Wheel Weird for Marvel right now. Um, so he's like a you know proper actual you know professional comic book guy. And um, yeah, I I referenced that same thing and he corrected me just toot fucking sweet. <laughs> Hey, um, <laughs> because this is the uh, the most obnoxious subject that we could harp on. It, uh, Alan Moore says that because he was not descended from the Roman emperor, it is wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, if Alan Moore says it. Well, you know, the man does worship a, a snake god of chaos. Yeah. Well, you know, don't we all? And I wish I was kidding. Um, right. Yeah, I'd, I'd, Alan Moore. I'd, so I'd read him years ago, you know, uh, back during, you know, whatever runs of comics I was reading. And, you uh, know, I so I'm into the whole weird witchcrafty crap. Like, you know, I think it's fun. Practice some stuff. And I'm reading sure. through and I'm having a conversation with someone. They're like, oh, you know, like Alan Moore. I'm like, meh, like Swamp Thing guy. What, what are you talking about? So then I have right. to, you know, I have to Google. I'm like, oh, fuck. He does the same shit as me. Ah, oh, God damn it. Now I'm. I thought I wasn't being a comic book nerd this time. And it turns out Grant Morrison, too. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck me. All right. I just, like, I guess I can't escape. Like, even even something, I'm like, I'm literally getting into occultism. Literally, to occult. To right. be occluded. To be hidden. And the next thing I know, fucking comic books follow me there, too. It's like, God, there's no winning. There's just no winning. I'll just get acne and small shirts on my 290-pound frame, which doesn't exist, but whatever. Don't forget to get into pedantic arguments. Well, yeah, uh, but that's that was never going away. I mean, <laughs> that's fundamental to my to nature. Back to New 52. <laughs> yeah. Back to New 52. It's uh, emblematic of DC's problem, which has been the problem since the 1970s. In the 1960s, Stan Lee uh, adopted the soap opera model to comics and leveled them up because comics were disposable, um, uh, enter- disposable entertainment for illiterate children, basically. Yeah. And Stan Lee made it readable for the high school and college crowd and made a serial narrative. Now, DC has been has been playing catch up with Marvel ever since um, because, you know, with with crisis and the, and 1985, they had their big, you know, crisis event to try and make sense of their timeline, and make it more like Marvel's. And it didn't work because they never w- were all in. Because some stuff was rebooted and some stuff wasn't. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember going back and reading that and being very confused. And uh, it kept going and going. And that ha- that what I just described was the case for several more reboots since. Yeah. Um, and so DC Comics has always necessitated both hardcore nostalgia for the for these characters to like g- to deal with this nonsense, which you know leads to the second thing: mental gymnastics. To even understand like context and what's going on, just for basic stories, you know. Yeah, I can absolutely. They, oh, sorry, please continue. I'm sorry. Um, and so here we go with New Fifty Two. New Fifty Two was was touted as the new clean slate. You know what I mean? The DC universe that they had been uh, struggling to try and continue with since the 1940s, all the way through to t- to 2012. They said we were starting over from square one. And then they didn't. Yeah. Batman, for example, uh, and now this how exa- this is a good example, though, but this is this was sneaky because uh, the reboot was announced behind the scenes. So various people made um, preparations and you can see that in hindsight. For example, one guy w- walked off the Superman book three months early without completing his story because it didn't matter. Uh, this guy, Scott Snyder, 
he um, started setting down the uh, the background for Gotham City, the wealthy families, which would then become the Court of Owls, that whole thing. That was set up in the Gates of Gotham miniseries a year before New 52 launched. So he was already establishing New 52 Batman before New 52 existed. Um, so Batman, under Scott Snyder, has the benefit of being really well thought out and well fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, unless you're me that didn't read... I mean, maybe I missed the issue, but... I read the new 52, like I downloaded all of them. Maybe I right. missed something, but Joker had a face last time I saw him. And then the first right. time I saw it, him in those comic books, he didn't have a face. And it carries over. Yeah, like this stuff that was published yeah. before, it carries over. Well, that's not fair. I mean, that's just to agree with your point. Like right. that's, I, I'm one of those people, like I, you told me I can just start reading comic books and I don't have to know. I don't right. want to learn 50 years of shit. Like I'm, I know a bunch about comics, but. It's been a while. I don't want to catch up. And then it's like, wait, Joker doesn't have a face? And I went back and I read the comics. I'm like, oh, that was a cool storyline. All right. Glad I read it. But still, fuck you. <laughs> they, they promised a clean start and then they didn't. So once again, it's mental gymnastics. A great example, they had their big uh, event, uh, Forever Evil. It was the big uh, summer event. And it was where, um, ah, it doesn't matter uh, what the plot is. But the point is, um, I was in awe because I, I was showing this to uh, my roommate. She's, um, she's as into it as you are, so she's as into it enough that I could talk to her about it. And I'm showing her, and I'm like, this is supposed to be an event that, like, anybody can read, you know? This is the New 52. And the whole damn thing is predicated upon being an old-school DC fan and being excited about seeing all these new concepts being introduced back into the universe. Yeah. The very last scene of the of the event is a cliffhanger uh, revealing that the Anti-Monitor, the, um, the villain from the original Crisis, yeah. was now in the New 52 universe. Yeah. With no context, no description whatsoever. He was just there and you're supposed to know, oh, hey, it's the big bad from the 1985 comic. Yeah, that actually annoyed me when I read it. And there was a few of those. And I, I can't. I, I was struggling to think of the ones off the top of my head. I'm glad you brought that up because... There was parts that I remember reading going like, oh, that's fun, fan service, because I know enough about old comics that I realized right. I was being played to. But I went, but this is sure. supposed to be a reboot, so this isn't fair. And then the anti-modeler, I had to look up who that was, because I'm like, this isn't satisfying. I don't know right. what's, why is this a thing? And I had to look at him like, oh, it's the guy from the, so that's not good storytelling. Like, it's just, it's, it's. No, I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of behind, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> A lot of behind-the-scenes things going on at DC Comics that's, um, you know, the, the culture of failing upwards that has really taken root in corporate America. Yeah. Um, so, do you, okay, knowing that, do you remember in 1995 when Marvel declared bankruptcy? I, Chapter 11? yeah, I mean, I, I re recall it vaguely. Yeah. Okay, well, that was uh, the result of um, the people who were in charge at that point. Uh, and the way they were running the company. And there were very specific people. The people that were writing X-Men at the time, the mid-90s. Remember the convoluted mess that it was? Yeah, yeah. Days of Future that, Forward. That wrote Spider-Man, the Clone Saga. Yeah. All the people who... Um, and I'm, I'm so serious, you can look this up. Um, there's websites documenting the, the Twitter meltdowns, plural. Um, 2011 and 20, 2012 and 2013, rather, were spent um, management pushing out the more creative types and bringing in the corporate mercenary types with the top of the company being made up of the very same people. Scott Lobdell, Bobby Chase. Vince Russo. Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah. Ferrara. Uh, Ma 
made up of the very same people that tanked Marvel back in 95. And yes, the parallels are right there. Yeah. Um, but because they're able to, to show numbers and they're able to, you know, it's the culture of failing upwards. So meanwhile, you got DC Comics people literally like quitting over Twitter and then getting courted by Marvel and getting hired over Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. There's a website, has DC Comics done something stupid today.com. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it chronicles all this, and it's got a counter, it's got all sorts of stuff. They, um, they went really mercenary uh, in 2012. New 52 was part of a whole Poochie the Dog initiative. Dan Didio, um, the guy that took over in 2004, he's really insecure, and he really hates super friends. Because he thinks everybody watched Super Friends, and that informs everybody's opinion. So, starting in 2004, when he made um, a summer event revolve around the rape of a supporting character, um, they've been, really been pushing DC into a very tabloid and trend-whoring way. And it's stripped everything of identity. Uh, a great example is Green Arrow, whom I'm not knocking people that like that show. I know everyone's, you know, it's a, it's a good action show for what it is. I get that. Yeah, and he's got abs for miles. Um, there's a there, there was a character named Green Arrow that they completely destroyed and dumbed down so that they could make Batman for TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, I never read Green Arrow, so that's that's quite different from the books. I I don't think I've ever read a single Green Arrow book in my entire life. The thing about Green Arrow, and uh, and I'm and I'm surprised Kevin Smith hasn't been more vote. Well, no, I'm not surprised because he's he's really uh, he's such a sellout. It's not funny. Uh, but um, Green Arrow was uh, an extremist leftist. Um, his uh, his supporting cast, even though they were left leaning, would be the ones to sort of pull him from the edge. He was very outspoken. Um, and that whole Robin Hood thing was really was really there. You know, he was big into yeah. Robin Hood. Um, you know, the goatee and everything. And they just sort of like went down the line and just took away everything that made him a character that had defined him for four for over four decades. And um, you know, this is what's popular, so this is what we're gonna do. And, you know, again, and I have to remind myself, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I did, I, to tell you the truth, I, I did find joy in that show, and I, it's not even like I liked it. It's that it was so watchable for a superhero show that I just kind of was, like, happy that it was happening. It's like, I don't even like it, but I'm like, I just kind of, I just kind of want to watch it, because finally, like, I live in a world where this is on TV, and I could just kind of be happy with this. And then last season, I skipped most of it. No, this is absolutely, um, no, that, I totally get that. That makes perfect sense. And they've been uh, gearing up for this for a while. Back in 2010, um, Smallville brought in uh, their own Green Arrow, which was played uh, basically the same way, just with less money. And they made that character really do all the heavy lifting on the show from that point on. Um, and yeah, or no, not 2010, 20, uh, 2008, I'm sorry. And then for the next two, two three seasons. Um, so they've had in mind, like they've, they've, they've had their eye on Green Arrow as TV Batman for quite some time, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, good choice. And, yeah. And they finally, you know, with Smallville, they were able to work out the kinks, like how to make it work. Like not, not that they made it work on Smallville, but I mean, they were able to, um, see what didn't work and then apply a Christopher Nolan style to, you know, the lessons learned from Smallville. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you're right. Cause Smallville was pretty much. Well, to me, I thought it was garbage. I know some people like that show, but I, I can fucking watch it at all. Those people, you know, we talk about objective opinions and subjective opinions, you know. 
when people say Smallville is a bad show, that's not subjective. Smallville was never designed with even a secondary or tertiary concern towards storytelling. Smallville is the only show that I see where professional actors aren't afraid to knock it in interviews. Clancy Brown was asked how um, how Jesse Eisenberg was going to fare in the role of Luther in the new movie, in the new uh, Superman movie, and you know he was saying, yeah, he's gonna, I think he's gonna be really good, all this, and then he was asked, well, how, what did you think of Michael Rosenbaum's performance on Smallville? And he goes, well, you know, Smallville was really a WB kind of show. It wasn't written for the same audience. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's Clancy Brown's seasoned actor, consummate professional. Yeah. Um, Michael Rosenbaum, the uh, the actor himself, he was asked, "Do you you know he he um he left the show early actually, uh, because he couldn't take it anymore, um, and it went on four years without him too." Uh, he was asked, "Do you miss it?" Um, in, in the intervening years, and he he um I don't remember how he worded it exactly, but he was he deflected it. And he was like, "I miss the crew, I miss the cast." Oh I, yeah, politic as fuck. <laughs> right, I certainly don't miss those Toronto winters. Yeah, it, it was great. You know who I liked in that show, and just because he's the um he's one of my favorite that guys is uh-huh. um devil from brimstone who played i think he was luther's dad in that yes show. he was one of the few bright spots yeah really one of the only reasons i watched any episode of that show was that so he would show up and well, i think they yeah. killed him or something so I, I don't or i don't know maybe i just stopped watching but yeah i just that show was pretty fucking unwatchable it was <sighs> you set something up for advertising revenue and then uh, you know it, it was tna no matter what they did, Smallville would attract a specific number of viewers so they could get a specific number for advertising revenue, you know? So they were just going to keep it going as long as they wanted. Now, um... God damn it, my train of thought. It's like TNA. Um, oh, unlike TNA, you know, small, you know, Smallville being a show, you had your season premiere and, and you know, you, you had your break... Every season premiere of that show would have substantially larger numbers than the rest of the season. And I honestly believe it was because people would check in and be like, is this watchable yet? <laughs> I really do. And the and it, it really, um, the highest number they got was for eight, uh, the eight premiere. Because if ever he was going to step up and be a man, it was that one. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, I, I'm not going to get into the details because, frankly, it's mind-numbing. It's, it's an idiotic show, and it insulted its audience on a regular basis. That's why I'm, I'm you know, that's why I was, I was saying it's, it's like, it's a objective. Um, it's not opinion that that was a bad show. Well, I'm glad and, it got backed up because I certainly didn't give it any fucking chance. I mean, yeah. maybe I did, like, that year, but, you know, after, it just, it just, it was, the first episode had potential and the concept, well, I mean, the concept had potential, but I was viewing it through the eyes of, oh, people that actually give a damn about storytelling and the mythology. Yeah. Well, that was your mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know. Since on the topic, uh, do you have any hope for this Flash show? I watched the, uh, the, the pilot and I like it better than Arrow. The problem is that, okay, here, you know, we were talking about this earlier. This goes back to the, the destruction of identity and the trend whoring. The Flash for over 30 years, which finally was defined, because it used to be just the guy that ran fast. It was finally defined. What is the Flash about? Because otherwise it's a B-list. What is the Flash about? It's about legacy. 
you know? You had your gold, the, the original Flash, the one from the World War II. You had Barry Allen, the one um, that Tom Hanks uh, figured out from that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. You had the, the modern one, which was the his sidekick grown up. You have the new sidekick, who's someday going to be the new Flash. There was a whole legacy thing. And um, with New 52, that's all been stripped away. There's just one Flash, so he's the guy that runs fast. So now, how do they define him? Well, he's Spider-Man. They made him just like the new Spider-Man movies. Oh, just accident caused him to have the blah 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 blah. Accident yeah. caused everybody to have the blah 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 blah. Yeah. Without with with a Norman Osborn analog, um, and the character himself is modeled after Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Oh, both okay. In yeah. Look at mannerisms. Yeah. Um, not only that, I, I was annoyed because if you recall, Flash, um, there was um, you know there's the leg there's the Allen legacy, and then you know there was. Um, there was the guy that there was the fa- the family that uh, would end up. Uh, um, God damn it! Pardon the train of thought. Remember the Reverse Flash, and that uh, yeah. the guy under the mask was named uh, Thawne. He had a weird name because he came from so far in the future. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that guy is, has been um, square peg into a round hole into the Osborne of the, of this piece. You see what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the premiere yet. I, I know it leaked. I just I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, but that's um, that's what they're doing. Like they're making yeah. it like uh, like the new Spider-Man, where you've got the Nor- you've got uh, the Norman Osborn figure, and then he uh, is essentially responsible for all the rogues. Oh, I dig. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're also they're handling it the same way. They're handling the characters the same way. Which that was another thing that defined the Flash. Excuse me. There, uh, the villains had a um, a subculture of their own, that particular group of rogues. And now it's just, you know, <sighs> the bottom line is that this shit wasn't meant to be live action. It was meant to be cartoons. Yeah. So when they turn it into live action, they don't start from like the con- the, the conceit of is this a, this is a fictional world in which things have happened before and will happen again. You know, like Middle Earth. They just go with, okay, what happened today, and then what happened tomorrow, and then what happened the next day. And when you're doing that, everyone's going to run out. Uh, Everyone's going to have their point of absurdity, and they're just not going to tune out. Because it's too, like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, and then this guy showed up, and then this guy showed up. You know, whereas, uh, you know, that was, you know, we mentioned Snyder's Batman before. A perfect example of how good that is. That showed how everything was already there. Um with the zero year. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? How like vil- the villains just didn't pop up uh, one after the other when Batman showed up. Everybody was there. Um, they were doing different things. But with Batman, it gave a, a it gave a, a focal point focus. Yeah. Especially with the Flash, it's going to be difficult because his, his villains are, are fucking dumb. <laughs> like if well, it, that's, just it. that's yeah. why it required that subculture. Yeah. Admit. See, the remember the Incredibles? You know, honestly, I've never seen that movie. Okay, no. well, The Incredibles is a very good movie, and it's also the closest thing you'll get to the DC universe in, in cinematic form. Because the DC universe is a world where the United Nations has a talking ape, an Amazon princess formed from clay, and the king of Atlantis as delegates. Yeah. And it's considered normal. So the wor- the universe of DC had, like, a lot of really over-the-top elements and things that are absolutely absurd and crazy, and they're taken as... As oh, like 
second nature. But what they're what and that's what separated DC from Marvel because Marvel had the more like edgy things are are hiding in the shadows. The majority of their characters are mavericks and outsiders. The few establishment type characters that they have, those are all those are um those all have specific uh, relationships with government agencies. You know, there is no Superman. Superman would have to re- report to Shields. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so with DC, it's a completely different. Like superheroism is a subculture in of itself, like celebrity that dates back to the '40s. So there's uh, an entire culture revolving around where you get your name, where you get your outfit. And they don't know about that. They're just going with the very basic, and then this guy found a formula, and then he gets powers. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's not going to work with fucking, with Flash, because his villains are uh, idiot with a boomerang, freezy guy, um, really exactly. smart gorilla. Like, these are not, these are not things you could casually introduce the audience to, like, off, you know, offhand. Like, exactly. oh yeah, and by the way, there's a, there's a, a domed invisible city somewhere uh, near where Black Panther, who we don't know. Oh no, that's a different continuum. But either way, <laughs> you know, somewhere over there that's got a domed city and there's hyper intelligent apes, but the evil hyper intelligent ape, like, no, this, that's not going to happen on fucking NBC Thursday night or whatever. Like they need to, like what they needed to do was they like, all right, Marvel had the world outside your window. DC doesn't have that. DC has the world where there's ads for insurance against ape attacks. Yeah. And it's taken as um, as matter of fact. And that's the, and every time they adapt DC to the screen, they don't do that because they don't understand that. And they're and they're in, insecure about it. Like Superman is a world full of aliens, robots and monsters. So when they make Superman into a movie, it's like Batman and all the aliens look like humans. Yeah. Like what is holy shit. <laughs> that's why that's why I think Marvel did it wonderfully with the setup with Avengers of they make they do it in they do it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. And then other movies where they make reference to uh, New York, because, well, let's face it, if this is a gritty reality based uh, continuum we're in the Chitari blowing up most of New York, motherfucker is going to remember that. And I really like how they make back references like, oh, this is really bad. Like they still remember it. They still it's part of everyday conversation. It's like kind of 9-11-y. That works because it's not. But to do that with DC would be, oh, yeah, remember that alien that fell and then destroyed whatever city they're in? Like it's you can't have the gravitas of New York, you know? Right, because DC is more like a fairy tale. And you can have gravitas, but that's in the interpersonal relationships. When you're when you're talking about en masse, like like you're talking about, it doesn't work because with the DC universe, like worlds live, worlds die. Like they, it's 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 common knowledge in the DC universe that when the sky turns red, that means the um, there's trouble in the multiverse. Like think about that. Yeah. That is common knowledge to the scientific and thus internet savvy community in the DC universe. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the Gorilla Grodd, really smart right. gorilla. Right, and in fact, I was just gonna... to get, just Sorry, just and really no, smart no, gorilla. Perfect. No, that's perfect. I was going to actually segue into that. Mm. He's introduced on the show, and it's the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Oh, did they seriously introduce him? They, uh, they did. I'm going to tell you how. Oh, please do. Well, because Gorilla Grodd is, you know, super intelligent gorilla from Gorilla City. Yeah, as, as Osama, we all know. He is the Osama Bin Laden of the uh, hyper-intelligent gorillas. So, on the Flash show, we're not going to do Gorilla City because that's silly. So, of course, he's a gorilla in a zoo, 
and he got affected by the big wave of energy that turns various people in the city into villains that he's going to fight over the course of the show. We see a, a zoo cage, and the bars are all bent, and there's a big sign on it that says Grodd. Oh. So Grodd escaped. Yeah. So once more, you know, because Gorilla City is ridiculous, we have to make him a gorilla that gets, you know, augmented, you know, gets radiation or whatever, and that's where he gets his thing. And it's like, motherfuckers... You're dealing with a talking gorilla to begin with. Why are you sitting there going, oh, we can't make it too silly? It starts off silly. And by, and by stripping away the silliness, they're making it worse. No, indeed, because that's kind of the that's the crux of the character too. Is that he's literally he's one of the most powerful creatures in that universe. Like he can right. bend time. He could destroy the universe if he wanted to. So he's kind of funny and off kilter because it's the only way he can deal with it. Because essentially, he's a human that's sort of god. So he's kind of funny about it, and he deals with the ridiculous situations. That's how the character works. That's why he can fight Boomerang Man and fucking Smarty Pants Gorilla. That's exactly. that's how the character works. You can't have gritty, like, mm, I can run really fast, and oh, how my weighted heart holds... Hold on, smart gorilla that's punching me. It's just these things don't work. Another thing, another thing. Let's talk about Captain Boomerang for a minute. Captain Boomerang has his name and his outfit because he was hired. He was um, a two-bit crook who got um, who got a job as a model for um, a toy company, and he was going to be the mascot. It was the only job he could get. He hated the job. He thought it was uh, offensive, and he you know took it and used it in crime. You see what I mean? Yeah. Now, that little piece of information, wouldn't talented filmmakers be able to, to, to use that? And then, okay, let's make this guy usable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But whenever they approach these characters, they're not aware of the nuance of the background. They just look at a piece of paper. They say, oh, Captain Boomerang, that's really dumb. And they don't know that maybe there's a reason for that. Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. It's... it's it's just, yeah, I have nothing to finish that. It's just, yeah, exactly. That's exactly, that's my point, is you're it's right. Not, what you're saying is right. Of, it's dumb and frustrating. And it's part of the loss of nuance and, and subtlety that, uh, uh, that is, you know, characterizes mainstream art. But that's a, rather. But that's a, the thing is like it's I'm so I'm like kind of I'm torn up because this is all I wanted. I wanted live action or, or at least right. prime time big budget superhero shit for me to look at. So and it it's so close but it's not there at all though right. i like uh, uh so apparently the flash show is just um misfits if you've watched that on bbc i uh i haven't oh it's uh, it, the conceit of that show is uh weird flashy thing happens one night lots of people get powers we okay. follow this group of people and then oh lo and behold more people have gotten powers and we discover them over the course of the show right right yeah um they did that with flash spoiler alert yeah the, uh, the guy, the, the guy that I keep mentioning as the Osborne, um, he's from the future. No, oh, of course that's he is. The one, that's the one thing that the show had that res, that resonated with me as Flash-like, which was that uh, at the very end, uh, the guy looks at a newspaper. So you know, the entire audience can can figure out it's the future, even though I don't know why they'd be using you know newspapers a hundred years from now. But whatever, <laughs> he's looking at a newspaper from a century in the in the future, and it. Hints to, you know, it sets up a bunch of things. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's in the, I think that's in the, um, the teaser trailer. I think big references to that. And you know what else? I was, uh, I was inaccurate. I mentioned Thawne, Reverse Flash, and I said they're setting him up as the new Os Osborne, right? 
I'm conflating things. There is a, a millionaire industrialist. He's the new Osborne. He's the one who looks at the newspaper and, and he's clearly, you know, involved with bad shit. Separate from that, which was a, a, a nice, it was a nice touch for us nerds because it at least sets things up. There's a guy at his office who's the ultimate douchebag. And he's like, and he, he seems to be um, competing with him for his love interest. That guy is Reverse Flash. Oh. They just, they haven't, they haven't even dropped a hint. It's just they mentioned his last name and I recognized it. Um, and then um, they also, you know, uh, they changed Flash's origin. So uh, Reverse Flash went back in time and killed his parents. It killed his mom and his dad went away for it. Isn't that one of the origin stories, though? That one happened um, two years ago when um, DC brought back Barry Allen. That's that's what I was thinking. I think that's in one of the animated movies. That story happens. That's flat. Yeah, Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, that's in Flashpoint Paradox. Okay, I knew that sounded yeah. familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been brought over. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? All right. So. <laughs> I didn't mean it in a bad way. I'm saying. No, I just realized we've been yapping for too long. All right. So we're well over our hour, but I've 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 listener questions that we have to get to. Mo- <laughs> Most mostly because yeah, most mostly because two of the three um, people uh, that asked me questions are people that uh, we know from our pa- our shared past. So let me start with let me start with the one that is not a uh, two out of three. Uh, my friend AJ Marquez, who was the only person I said goodbye to the other night after leaving an open mic, he asked me, "Do you feel like Batman when you disappear without saying goodbye?" No. I feel like someone with severe uh, social anxiety disorder, and I don't like saying goodbye, so I left. Batman would probably go fight crime and not exist. But thank you for the question, AJ Marquez. The other question, uh, if you're prepared for it, uh, which one do we want to go first? Let's go this one. Jen Lima asks us, uh, she wants to know our opinions on ancient astronaut theorists. All hail the succubus. Uh, yes. Oh, well, wow. Well done. The succubus. I forgot about that nickname. Um, ancient astronauts. I find it. Um, all right. Well, this is actually a touchy issue for me because my, my father has been secretly insane for several years. Um, uh, around the time of the, uh, t- the 2012 apocalypse, my father was telling me about how the Anunnaki yes. were going to uh, return. And I'm quite familiar with the Anunnaki because let's bring it back. They founded Atlantis in DC Comics. Oh <laughs> shit! Beautiful. Yeah. So my my father's sitting there ranting and raving about this stuff, and I'm sitting there in the back of my mind remembering how Aquaman defeated them in that fine series. It was a fine series. Peter David was rocked. But anyway. Uh, so ancient astronauts. <laughs> Isn't it awesome that apparently none of the ancient cultures were able to create math and science by themselves? I mean, the white people could. Yeah. But none of the, none of the mud people, apparently. Yeah, well, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, I, think that the, I think that just like in the very beginning when we were talking about those motherfuckers, Jones and Albert Bell and, and all of them, I think that the, um, the History Channel and, and whatever, and Discovery and all of them, they figured out that linking aliens and mermaids and angels to ancient superstitious writings draws viewers. So instead of actual educational programming, they, they present conjectural nonsense and garbage that my father can sit that people like my father can sit there and watch and feel smart about and they don't realize like what's it been five ten years straight 
of just nonstop and then aliens. Was it aliens or was it mermaids? Yeah. Was it alien mermaids? Yeah, that's well, I mean, it's the sci fi programming technique of you put the word shark in things and then make it fight stuff. So it's it's right, ancient astronauts right. versus Sharknado puss, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all right. So you're on the same side as me. There's um, this guy, I, I've never seen a more thorough SmackDown. I haven't brought it up on the show in quite some time. But if anybody's interested in ancient astronaut theory and you, and you find any kind of validity in it, please go to uh, Ancient Astronauts Debunked. Search it on YouTube. It's a three-hour video with this guy, Michael Heiser. And he goes through and just verbally shits on every point Ancient Astronauts makes with cited refutation from scholarly sources. Just yes, the, the beatdown he gives to that show. You will never see something so wrong in your life. It's like when you prove your buddy wrong on something so incredibly easy and he still kind of has to fight where it's like, well, no, I'm pretty sure in one comic, his name was David Wayne, not Bruce. You know, like where it's, there's so wrong. Oh, it is a beautiful piece of filmmaking. If you want to sit there three hours of proving something that doesn't need to be proved wrong because it's obviously wrong, but oh, it's so good. <laughs> that actually, um, that reminds me. And the, the other, the other thing that really got me about that, that's why I get so venomous on this subject. Um, the whatever channel presented that special that that got my father all crazy and and whatnot. Um, it, I did some research. The Anunnaki, the the person that present that first presented that theory in the seventies. Yeah, 70s, yeah it's Zechariah uh, Sitchin. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. he uh, came forward and said it was a hoax. Yeah, it's um Michael Heiser goes through and um that's the guy that did International Debunked and he's a yeah. uh, he's a Semitic scholar. He speaks uh, ancient Hebrew and Sumerian shit. He doesn't speak Sumerian, but really really ancient languages. He's an expert in. And uh, his company made a program where you can just type in words in English and search every single cuneiform tablet that has been translated. Every one. You can wow. type a word in and it'll search it for you. If you type in Anunnaki, you can look at every single one translated by scholars. Nice. Every part of the story that Zachariah Sitchin said doesn't fucking exist. It's right. not there. And this is every single tablet that's been translated. It's not like a mistranslation. It's a fucking completely made up thing. And yeah, I've I've heard that he had like a deathbed like confession, but I've also heard that's bullshit. I that's why I don't say one way or the other. I just know on one way that beyond Zachariah Sitchin saying anything, recanting or defending he's wrong and provably wrong using really simple circuit search algorithm, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, I love it. I know to be fair. I used to love those theories cause a lot of them well, make sense. Like, yeah, no, abstractly, you know, to that. there's definitely, you know, we were visited at some point in the past and we were visited, you know, several times probably in the past, but not as much as, um, you know, the history channel would like us to believe. And, um, I really, I don't believe we've been visited um, anytime recently. Or if we have, it was a long-range surveillance thing. Because think about it. If you are intelligent life, how would you view us? Look at the way we treat ourselves. Look at the way our leaders treat us. And then here's the fundamental thing. The fundamental thing. And th they could figure this out. Everything is for profit here. Everything. So if they came here, the only way... The only way it would be peaceful is if we figured out what what would make more money than mankind having a common enemy. Y you see what I mean? Where if we if we met aliens, if aliens came here, people would immediately begin working out how viable it would be to villainize them. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, very true. There's, um, uh, Take this with a giant grain of salt. I mean, take this with a shaker of salt that you've thrown over your shoulder. But when I say I've heard, I mean, I've heard from that place that you hear things. So I'm not citing anything, but I've heard that there are declassified CIA documents where they were uh, seeing the feasibility of faking an invasion for this very reason of faking a UFO invasion. So it's a panic people and kind of keep in line, yada, yada, or maybe. I I do believe that the uh, the CIA uh, documents of the 1950s are horrific when you find out what they did to our people. Yeah. Um, My favorite was they would, um, there were these, um, they had these sprinklers set up like on second store, on like roofs of second story uh, uh, of like two story buildings, right? They were just like giving off, and they were spraying off water like chemicals, and they were telling people in the town, it's just, you know, it's harmless. They were testing out a, a harmful chemical, and they fucking exposed thousands of people to this chemical horseshit, knowingly. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's I, a, I don't even, I don't remember the specifics. So, of course, I sound like Alex Jones. Yeah. No, well, that's, you know, that's why I prefacing. Though, um, I could, let me put you, uh, well, not put you on hold. I have to go, um, I really have to pee, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I have I, to go too. Oh, good. Okay. Let's, let's take us a piss break. So, I'll be back momentarily, as will you. Come on down to the standard. 14 Northeast 22nd. 14 Northeast 22nd. Northeast Portland. Conveniently in America. Perfect. Asking if your listeners would find this interesting, we uh, we haven't really talked about anything. I mean, I guess we've talked about some stuff, but mostly comics. Oh yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I've done comic book episodes before. I've done. Yeah, I. My whole thing with this show is. I mean, not my whole thing, but it's actually somebody referenced it to me, and then I took it on as like a, a as a deal. Is that just listen to three episodes, and then if you don't like it, leave. Because I I put it in the description of what the episode is, like what we're talking right, about. Right. And if you're here to talk about spirituality and weirdness, find an episode I'm talking about that. If you want occultism, I have plenty of those. If you want dick jokes, I have those. If you want comic books, I have those. Like, you know, I'm not. Uh, I don't. I don't try to. Uh, you know. Uh, pick my spots for the show because it just gets boring that way for me. Like I just, I just talk about the shit I find interesting. And if people don't want to listen to that one, don't like, that's why I do episode write-ups because then you just go, that's not the kind of Alex show I want. You know, I'll go to the next one. Mm. Like I was discussing today on Twitter of uh, having someone from a uh, a crystals uh, warehouse come on and talk about the power of crystals and, you know, (laughs) meditating (laughs) shit, you know, it's, which cool, you know, and I'm, I've also had shows where I'm arguing the atheist side and being skeptic, man. So fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, um, we've done the, um, we've done the, uh, um, whatchamacallit. Uh, I lost my train of thought hardly. Anyway, let's get back to what we were doing. Oh yes. Um, to finish that last thought, the CIA at one point dosed an entire town in France. Have you ever seen those? No, no. Yeah. The documents came out, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so that apparently, it, uh, uh, they, basically just spiked an entire town's water supply just to see what would happen. And they filmed it, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, they just went, oh, let's see what happens to, you know, so it wasn't too much damage. I think either one person got very hurt or died, like jumped off a roof, but for the, for, for dosing in an entire town, it was, um, not as harmful as one would think, you know? I know that they dosed that they dosed um, our soldiers and studied the effects on them. I always thought that was uh, that was particularly horrific because, you know, in this day and we take so many things for granted. In this day and age, we all you know we're all familiar with the basics of of tripping of hallucinogens yeah. through culture. But in the 1950s, people didn't know shit. 
So these poor bastards were in a fucking room with the two-way mirror and water, and they're being dosed. Yeah. They have no, no frame of reference whatsoever. They lost their minds. Well, what I like on the other side is it's so America versus Britain. Uh, there's And it's available on YouTube. Uh, there's, there's footage of British soldiers that got given LSD, and there's just footage of them wandering around in the woods. And, like, they just start, like, climbing a tree and hanging upside down. And, like, they're, like, just taking their jacket off and taking a nap. It's, like, the most, like, just British, like, oh, I guess we'll go out for some tea, like, laid-back thing. While back in the States, it's, you know, this sanitized room with people having horrible fucking flashbacks and demons flying out of two-way mirrors. And they're literally in the woods, like, getting confused and walking around in a very British kind of way. Right. It's good, uh, it's good YouTube watching. Uh, the... Last question from Miss yes. Sarah Glorisi. Oh, hey. Yes. Uh, another voice from the past. She wants to know, what is it that makes a selfish, self-centered person? Let's explore the world of selfishness and why some people can't be anything but because I'm fucking fed up with it. Now, the reason I'm reading this question is manif- manifold. Polymath. One, you do realize you're asking what makes things selfish and then saying you're asking because it bothers you. Just let that sit there for a second. <laughs> uh... Yes. I don't know. What makes a selfish person, Dario? Um, I'm looking up uh, just a second. I got a message from Sarah that is very relevant to this. Ah. Well, uh, my short answer is that I think the natural state of things is selfishness. And that the aberration to selfishness is being selfless. Uh, On a Darwinian Darwinian level, uh, selfishness is the natural state of things. And that is why we are essentially upright apes. And if you want to earn your humanity stripes, you stop being selfish and stop being horrible. And yes, that is the long-form answer to that. So what makes a selfish person? Evolution. Um, You know, pressure of speciation that caused the larger, faster, stronger people to breed with one another and bred a violent, upright creature that destroys the planet. But one that is capable enough of noticing what they're doing and, you know, getting a book on Buddhism and, you know, driving a hybrid. The message that I was looking up uh, was Sarah uh, apologizing for uh, deleting me in a for uh, she was having a moment, and I didn't know what she was referring to, and I thought it was uh, it was more selfish than it actually was. So damn it! I oh, okay. I, gonna, I thought I was gonna uh, hit Sarah with some of her own selfishness, but that's okay. <laughs> well, so it happens. Yeah, it's funny. Um, ah, I lost my train of thought. Doesn't matter. Do either of them know that I'm uh, that I'm on the show tonight? Uh, Probably not. Maybe. Um, I posted on Twitter, which cross posts on the Alexcast uh, Facebook page. So if they happen to be looking, but um, they both answered to. I think they both answered to my um, my personal account. So I'm assuming uh, they uh, have me on. Don't show on our your news feed setting for the Alexcast page. You're the first person I've spoken to in several years. So uh, I if I was just. I imagine people would be wondering, like, what the hell am I doing here talking to you? Oh, don't talk to people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they will know once I post the episode. We'll be like, hey, with Dario, and then uh, I, you know, we'll be fielding questions. So, I mean, let's imagine uh, questions. Uh, I suppose. What would you say to them when they go, "Well, where the hell have you been?" Uh. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't trying to get you into the whole story. I was giving you uh, a chance for a quotey movie blurb kind of comment on Facebook answer. But I mean, of course, answer at your own, at your own whim or leisure. In a universe without pity, in a town without regret, there is a man without fear. 
And when you meet him, tell him to find Dario and teach him how the fuck to work. I, you know, that, that one started off decent, then it just, I don't know what the fuck happened there. Just delete that one. Can you just, like, that one you gotta edit out. No, I mean, that I could, one. but, I mean, here's Which the thing. All? Yeah, well, I mean, just by, <laughs> just by asking that question, you haven't listened to many episodes, because the amount of shit I leave in with the stuff that I say, I assure you, if I, if I was willing to edit, I, I mean, I have to make this decision within myself that once I started editing... I'll have to pay attention to what I say on the show and I'll go back and listen and go, oh, Jesus, God. And it'll turn hour long episodes to like 15 minute clips of just these choppy things of me introducing the sponsor, talking about what movie I recently saw and then wishing everyone good night. <laughs> Speaking of which, I got to show you a podcast that uh, you would find uh, inspiration from. The, what's, uh, what's that? The Don Tony and Captain Castle show. Oh, OK. I don't know that one. It's um, it's very much what you're doing, but wrestling based. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I um, the one I found recently, actually, the the reason I was uh, Judge Dredd was fresh in my mind, is uh, how did this shit get made? Have you listened to that? Oh, that's a wonderful. I love that one. Yeah, they just did their um, their uh, uh, Howdy's Award episode. Oh yeah. Which I, I have I've you know I go to that one every week, but I didn't see that. I think it just um, came out today, and it's the first half of it. Them giving awards yeah. to like the weirdest shit that's happened, it, and um. Yeah. yeah, they made reference to the uh, the Judge Dredd thing in the spaghetti scene, so that was, like, fresh in my mind. Uh, and as I was talking to you about that, I'm like, why the fuck is that so fresh in my memory, that fucking spaghetti scene? It's like, oh, yeah, because I looked it up earlier today when they were talking about it on that fucking show. <laughs> I love their, uh, their, their bit on No Holds Barred. Oh, I yes. Yeah, one of the more classics of American cinema. Mm. You know, because it finally answers the question, you know, what does smell like Dookie? The answer? <laughs> Him. Well, you know... The great thing about that film is that if someone told you that it was that like, you know, McMahon and, and Hogan got the script, hated it and then rewrote it over the course of a weekend in a hotel room. You know, even if that story weren't true, it should be. You know yeah. what I mean? It is. It's one of those films that it's almost and I don't mean to shit on him because I do I do end up liking most of his movies or a significant number of his movies but it's kind of Kevin later Kevin Smithian where it's you stopped actually making movies where you're just doing shit you want to look at than actually right. make a film no, that's and exactly what it is yeah no holds board very it had that had that vibe to it it's it's like the dance scene in clerks three where it's or clerks two uh where it's like, okay, I mean, I, I, it was a fine scene, but it had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Like, there's a whole bunch of these random, like, asides, and, yeah, no old Bard was very much that. It's just like, oh, yeah, let's lock ourselves in the room and say shit we find funny. Yeah. Well, I also really like how, um, uh, what's his name, from Ghostbusters 2, the villain, He uh, he's the Ted Turner analog. Oh, yeah, yeah. And instead of Clash of the Champions, they have Battle of the Tough Guys. Um, and then when they're in the in the bar... Stan fucking Hansen, who was under WCW contract at the time, he was there, and he just fucking, you know, he got a check. He doesn't give a shit. Oh, no he shit. He WCW anyway, though. Yeah, I forgot he was in that scene. Also, just to complete the circle of karma that is this episode, would you like some coffee? Yes, have some. Yes. Because that is what we started the episode with, and that's that guy. Redhead guy that was a villain in every fucking movie that came out in the 80s. <laughs> He's up there with that Asian guy that was in all those movies. No, 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 you're conf No, no, no. There's two, okay, there was Ghostbusters and there was Ghostbusters 2. Now, in Ghostbusters, the redhead guy was William Atherton. That's the one I'm that, thinking of, yeah. Yes, yes, it's true, this man has no dick. Now, Kurt yeah. Fuller is the bald guy from Ghostbusters 2. He had the same role, basically, but he was the mayor's aide rather than an EPA uh, uh, person. Yes, yes. 
No, no, I, I mean the guy from the first one because he was he was also um, real genius, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Biodome, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was the lead science prick in Biodome. Yeah. That's right. One of one of <laughs> really we're really a national treasure. <laughs> yeah, that, that I love I love those actors. That it's just you have this like oh, yeah. bright moment in the sun where you're really good, and just for some reason, I mean, I'm sure he's still working, but it, it might be dead for all I know. But I, I just I like those guys where it's just you're in really famous roles, you're in really good movies. Like he's like a like Harry Dean Stanton, where. Yep. Not, I mean, of course, you and I know his name, but like, I don't think a lot of people know his name, but if you show him a picture, they could be like, oh, yeah, I can think of seven oh, things yeah, I know him up. from. Yeah. Like, I think he was yeah. even in a fucking Next Generation episode, Star Trek Next Generation episode. Probably. Yeah. Like, he's just one of these just weird, like, oh, yeah, David Lynch film, Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, every shitty movie that came out in 1993. Just, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, the fucking Avengers, wasn't he in there? <laughs> Maybe the 98 one. He was an alien. Um, no, that's what I mean. He's he's the guy that goes, uh, I saw you fall through the ceiling. You were naked at the time. What are you, an alien? Isn't that Harry Dean Stanton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See? Original, see? Fucking okay, Avengers. I, did, I didn't hear the, the quote. I, uh, oh, no, no. I didn't say the quote the first time. I, I said, I think okay. he's in the Avengers. And as I said, it, I went, yeah, that might be a different guy. And I'm going to feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite actor like that is uh, Michael Ironside. Oh, yeah. From fucking, uh, it, uh, wait, I think it's Michael. Is it? Is he the guy from Starship Troopers? Yeah. Yes, yes. He's one of my favorite that guy actors. That check. And he's kind of, he's like almost elevated beyond that guy actors because it's like, he's he's like he's like a starring role that that guy actor. Oh yeah, definitely. He gets he gets above the title uh, billing on the made for video movies. Yeah, like he's oh god yeah he's he's great because he just he yeah. brings that kind of artificial weight to a film where it's like. You yeah. kind of think he's a good actor, but unless you pay attention, like um, like the black guy from Iron Eagle, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, like Louis Gossett Jr. He was also <laughs> he was also in um, uh, Enemy Mind, and it's yes, he, yes, he's the alien in Enemy Mind. He, he's like well, he, you know, yeah, he's part of that school of actors who you mistake intensity for good acting. Yeah, but it's okay because they're in shit movies, so it makes them better. Yeah, so you don't you're like oh yeah that guy like because you're like oh just kind of shrug like oh yeah he's that guy of course uh, um. Modern example, he's on, uh, and I've not seen the show, but like Ghost Boat or whatever the fuck the name of that show is. Um, Ghost? Zombie virus boat thing. Uh, 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 Adam Baldwin, uh, the guy oh, from. Oh, okay, yes. Um, yes. Adam Baldwin's like that, where it's, he's in everything. I'm like, oh, this guy's a good actor, unless I actually bother to watch him and then go, oh, no, 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 you're actually a bag of shit. But you yeah. just, what, what you're in, you're kind of perfect for. And it's not that all of his roles are bad, but he's right. either well cast or it, the, the role's shitty enough that he kind of. It slips by until you happen to look, and it's like, ooh, what's happening here? He's got that natural charisma. Yeah, and some kind of horrific racist streak from what I've heard recently. Oh. He got in some kind of uh, uh, trouble recently where he, I don't know, I don't know, I don't pay attention oh, to this shit. Oh, okay, no, I know, but, um, okay, he's a, he's an outspoken right-winger. Oh, is that what happened? Mm. Yeah, so chances are he was saying stuff about the poor, and then that got skewed racist, because he... I don't think he'd be. I don't think he's racist. That would have come out by now, because <laughs> he's he's a loudmouth and he's on Twitter all the time. Well, that was the thing. No, he got in trouble for saying something on Twitter. Um, I I thought it was something race based, but also I don't honestly I don't pay attention because it's just the thing with Twitter yeah. is is everything gets taken out of context. Uh, have right. you followed the O and A story of of the breakup? I I very much so because yeah. um, 
ONA was actually a, a support crutch for a long time. Yeah, it's uh, me too. Like in my darker yeah, times, ONA and Brown and Fez were the ones that fucking. Yeah. They were my friends in my ears when I had. Not, well, I still don't have any, but you know yeah, when I was fact, in a lot worse headspace. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And for those of you who are listening who know what we're talking about, I suffer from a very similar uh, situation as Fez. It's fucking absurd. Um, with um, with that, what was really getting me. Um, I mean, I saw it. I saw it happening a mile away. I knew it was gonna happen, so I was already like uh, um, disconnecting myself. Like I was in the habit of listening every day. Like I, ha- I wake up at the same time, listen every. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to like break that routine up, and literally like one week when I I, I broke the habit and and stopped being dependent. Like one week later, he got fired. And um, the thing that got me like. He was gonna get himself fired anyway, but the uh, he uh, this triggers a whole bunch of different things. Uh, to, it says a lot that they replaced him with Jenny McCarthy, uh, who is you know actually responsible for deaths with her uh, her anti-vaccination nonsense, yeah. and that you know that gets ignored. But you know she's uh, she's promoting her new show, and she's like, I've used up three hundred vibrators. Yeah. So Wait, like, what do you mean they replaced him with? Like she got hired right after he got fired or something? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the same money in the budget. Yeah. It was the same week. Um, Jenny McCarthy, her her nonsense gets me a little bit because, um, like, you can look this up. It's documented. Um, I don't know if you know this. I, I had a kid and I had to put him up for adoption because uh, his mother and I were uh, were very sick at the time. We're both crazy drug addicts and we were both sick in the head and we knew that we couldn't take care of a fucking kid so we uh we had to put him up for adoption and uh, at the time uh his uh, the child's mother um she was off her lithium and i didn't even i didn't even know it at the time so she was getting progressively more and more irrational and she latched on to jenny mccarthy who at the time her her social issue at the time was indigo children yeah uh the indigo children are x-men they are mutants. Uh, Jenny McCarthy and I mean, tr- um, the uh, the mother of the child printed out all this shit, and I read through it because I humored her, and it was all stuff about how uh, you have special children in the womb, and you know that they have powers. And Jenny McCarthy talked about the child who, you know, years later she would g- go ape shit about the autism. When the child was in the womb, she talked about how the child had powers and would, uh, you know, telepathy, telekinesis, pyrokinesis. I'm not kidding. And this was a whole thing in a movement. And, you know, her child's born and he doesn't have powers. He has autism. And, you know, it couldn't possibly be the hormonal drug she took to get pregnant. It's got to be vaccines, you know. And so she goes off on her whole thing. Um, And, I mean, it's not so much a personal thing. It's just it's really like. She is such a, a really sad representative of a, of a couple different things in our culture. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I had that personal connection there. So she was a bit of a trigger. Yeah. No, that, that idea. I mean, I have no personal connection to it, but that wanton ignorance thing of you're, you're willingly hurting children because you can't be bothered to read any part of scientific literature. In fact, right. no, if you had just not read anything, you would have been better off. But right. yeah, you read this fucking hokum bullshit and you know, the next thing you know, we're getting cases of fucking smallpox showing back up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, getting back to the whole ONA thing, you know, it really sucks, but it was gonna happen because I, you know, I've been a devoted follower for some time and I, you know, 
I love Anthony as much as you know, you know, I love these people who are like, oh, I love this celebrity, that celebrity, whatever. I, I really enjoy his work and I love him as much as I guess someone like me can love someone they don't know. But he broadcast hate hate speech from his own home. Now, I don't I don't think he's a full on ah, psychopath as Patrice O'Neill called him, a uh, frothing at the mouth psychopathic racist. He definitely played it up. Yeah. Uh, but his issues, uh, there was a combination of one, he, he was really freaking out about social problems that actually are a problem. He's just looking at them the wrong way, you know? And so there's the, the social decay. That's the one problem. The other issue is that I don't think he ever got over Patrice's passing. So I think that still hurt him. And um, I don't know if you, you're aware of this as well. Oh, yeah, you watch, you listen to the show. Sirius was grinding them into the ground. Yeah. You know? So he was just under, like, he was stressed out and he was in a miserable place. And I think on some level he was, he wanted to get fired, you know? No, I, I agree. The, the reason it's on my mind now is this, uh, when the, this beheading thing happened recently, mm. all of the headlines are talking about how they're savages for doing savages. it. And that's literally the word he got fired for. Right. Literally the word. And it's just, it's the hypocrisy of it. I mean, honestly, Anthony, to me, was a, a, a fucking weight on that show. It's same as Fez on, on Ron and Fez, where... Yeah, yeah over the past year, he really, yeah. Yeah, you're just holding the show back. I get why people want to listen to you, but like, as far as the show that it seems like uh, Opie still wants to do, and probably by extension Jim still wants to do, he's a weight. He just wants to go social issue. Fine. Yeah, I know a lot of people, there's an audience for that, but... better. It's, it's uh, lighter. Yeah, no, the show's far more enjoyable since he left. Well, the first, after the first, like, week or two, once they started to get their legs under him, but... Yeah. I mean, the fact is, like, but I still have to defend him because, I mean, yeah, it was, you right. know, some bullshit stuff to say, but, like, it's nothing he didn't say on his own fucking show right. on their airwaves often. And then, right. not but, what, a month or two later, you know, headlines using the word savage. Well, they fired yeah, it's, him yeah. because of um, people, because of internet uh, buzz, because of like social justice warrior. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, if it if it had happened during a different news cycle, it wouldn't have mattered. But they fired him out of cowardice, which is that's a that's a big thing in the culture of failing upwards. They call it um, risk aversion. Yeah, is the is is their term for it, and that's why um, you know, for example. Uh, you know, we, we can't do an action movie that stars women. There's action movies starring women all the time. No, but they're like, you know what I mean? It allows them to look at things a certain way and to stay the course, even if it's self-defeatist. Yeah. Um, God, I'm on such a tangent here. Yeah. What the fuck were we just talking about? We're really uh, just talking about Anthony and fucking getting canned. It was, you know, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're on a tangent. <laughs> but like, they, they were afraid. You know, it got on Gawker and there was, oh God, we got to fire him. Yeah, and it's like you know what he like the shit that he posts on live from the compound is worse. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean he's actually he's devoted time to like you know he breaks out the studio and he and he puts on world star hip hop and he starts screaming, <clears throat> screaming and yelling. I mean you know, and it sucks because this sort of behavior from the companies is really galvanizing the um, the bitterness and and the racial divide and all sorts of other things. You know. Yeah. There's the uh, the other side of it too. Is I really need to get somehow talk Fez Watley into screaming about savages so that show can be good. <laughs> oh, wow! Did you happen to hear the uh, Jason Nash uh, came on? Yes. Twice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, well, you know, 
it, it sucks to say this, but at the very least, uh, Fez really helped me uh, get a handle on myself. Uh, this sort of generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. And uh, the 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 crippling echo chamber effect you create for your mind, and it's just you're surrounding yourself with negativity. Um, and then you you just you get into these um, these habits, and it's it's especially worse when you have you know you, you have that you have that security net, and it so it enables you. And with Fez, he had the um, the overpriced contracts that they signed every everybody to in the early two thousands before they realized what they were doing, and then they you know started grinding everybody down to try to get them out of the contracts, yeah. you know. Uh, but with Fez, you know, he had money, so, like, literally, he could do whatever he wanted. But the thing is, he, he needed guidance. Like, 10 years ago, he needed a, um, a life coach slash assistant, you know. Yeah. Um, it sucks, too, you know. Uh, I remember um, several months ago when uh, they were given a deadline by management, and Fez actually cut a promo, pro wrestling style promo, complete with a wonderful Ric Flair impression. And uh, I thought it had turned a corner. Um, I myself, I've done that numerous times where I've sort of like, where I'll have popped up after an absence and I'll be, uh, and I'll be like, full speed ahead. But yeah. the same triggers will pop up. The same issues will pop back up because they weren't dealt with. And then, you know, I, I, I stumble and fall. How many uh, attempts did it take before I could finally uh, talk to you? Yeah, no, it was, it was quite a number of, uh, of, of uh, aborted uh, tries. Yeah. yeah, in fact, um, th this last one was really, um, was really, I, I, was, I was pounding my fist against the glass on this one because I contacted you and I was like, okay, I can do this. And then you, you hit me back, you hit me up back, and then I couldn't respond. And like days would pass, and I was like, "Motherfucker!" Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And and you know, I've got there's a whole bunch of people, and you know, they think I'm you know I'm dead or I'm a sociopath and or I'm just I'm an asshole. And the sad part is I'm a little bit of all three, and it's you know, but I don't want to be, which is the problem. Yeah. You know, I I I do very much understand. That's why you know every uh, I don't know probably. I don't know, it's probably been like, what, three or four years since we were in, like, any kind of, like, regular contact. I've emailed you every now and again. I was like, nah, I don't know if you're reading them. I don't even know if that's still your email address, but I'll, you know. Oh, no, I got them. Yeah. I just couldn't respond. Yeah, I figured I'd just throw it out, because, like, yeah, what the, you know, what the hell, you know. You know what's, what's been happening, the, the most recent thing, I got, it got so bad. Um, the last five years, <laughs> this is awesome, I suffer from time dilation because um, the last five years have blurred together because all the things that I keep track, like I use to keep track of time have all been stagnant. Yeah. So like it, it really feels the same as 2009 to me. Um, 2009, uh, a friend of mine uh, pulled me out of my father's house and uh, forced me to move in with her because um, my, my father's, uh, things had gotten so bad within my family that uh, I had begun exhibiting a schizophrenic uh, signs and the sad part is that those had actually been there since childhood, but I was uh, I'd been neglected for so long, and uh, I'd uh, I'd been hiding things and and hiding my my fragmentation and my disassociative disorder, and uh, things just got worse and worse. But it was like I, I'm really just I'm trampling all over this. There's so much more to it, but I don't want to bore your uh, your your listeners. But um, it's like you get into the habit of. Okay, I'm fucked up right now, but I'm gonna fix it. I'll, I'll just I'll deal with it later. Right now, I just you know I'll just do this. You know what I mean? And that simple little rationalization is able to mutate over the course of years. You know? Yeah. No, I I'm well well familiar. 
I, uh, on a, you know, on a different level, like I, I burned my life down and moved to the other side of the fucking country. So I have this weird gap of, I mean, I've been out here for a decade and it feels like somewhere between three and five years. Like it's just this fog. And recently I've had kind of an awareness come to my life, which has been slow growing, but I had the, you know, a pretty important person show up around me that, you know, kind of woke me up a little bit, but I still have like, I mean, time dilation is a good word for it is, you know, I don't even know, like I can't put time lengths on things. I have no fucking idea. It's, it's just like, I'll say things like, oh, you know, no, I've been pretty good lately. And then like, you know, a week later, I'll tell a story of like, oh, you know, six months ago, I was going to off myself. Well, wait a second. These two things are completely incongruous. This, this is not true, but it, you know, it's, when you have 10 years compressed into somewhere between three and five, yeah, things start seeming a little funky. Yeah, that's the worst. I, I really lost the ability to uh, to talk, to write, to do much of anything. It was the worst. Yeah, my only thing, I don't even know if I still know how to. I just know how to yeoman's work every now and again, like just yeah. slog through it. And it's one of these things where like when people go, oh, you like writing, right? And it's like, I, I mean, I theoretically I, I don't know how to answer this like because the the effort it takes just to to somehow outthink your brain is is whew. yeah well that's good times <laughs> i um i'm 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 avoiding getting too deep into my personal life just because it's um it's pretty horrific and it's ridiculous and so uh, if you're if your listeners have questions i'll answer them but I'm avoiding not out of trying to be mysterious, but out of respect to them. Oh, no, no, I hear you. Uh, I, well, actually, we do have to, uh, well, we should have wrapped up a while ago, but we're yeah. wrapping up now. Um, no, I didn't mean that for content-wise. I just mean time-wise. Uh, uh, I know. We're, we're at 154. Yeah, yeah, speaking of time dilation. Um, but uh, no, no, uh, if, you, if you come back at some point, we can we can do, hey, let's see how we all broke our. But uh, that's a longer conversation than an hour right. past is. But uh, do you want to tell people how they can find you, or is that like a weird thing, or what's what? What do you want to say to them? This this uh, weird indiscriminate volume of theoretical listeners. No, I'm uh, I'm back to socializing. The reason that I'm not on social media is because my mother has been stalking for several years on social media, and she leaves me messages. She also calls me on the phone uh, every month, actually. Um, and it's only it, it it's been up until only recently has this not triggered me like every time you see what i mean yeah so um phone and social media especially were an issue uh i'm back to phone social media will get there it's just uh to get there i gotta i gotta get in contact with the mother of my child and i mean everything's fine there but it's just even just talking to her is a big uh, a big thing for me you know what i mean so that's a that was a whole big mess yeah i, I like, and i don't can imagine yeah um so but yeah, uh, yeah, Dario the Wop, Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, and uh, my phone. Ah, yeah, fuck it, my phone number. No, uh, you know what? You, you know you do. Let's just. We're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> as much as this is a friendly conversation between people, I know my audience. We'll just <laughs> let's just stick with social media. Ah, let's rock. Yeah, I've, 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 yeah. I assure you, we're making the right decision. But rule one oh two. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Alex finds where the beep noise is under editing <laughs> sections. Uh, cool. Well, Dario, thank you very much for, one, getting in touch, and two, coming on the program. Thanks for having me, Alex. Fucking yeah. great. Indeed. Great to you. Indeed. And uh, to all of you out there in listenership land, 
things and stuff and the things I normally end with, uh, Dario, feel free to make fun of me when I say my closing line of namaste. <laughs>